Hey, fellow mathers, do you have limited classroom time? Do you want to make the biggest, best impact on your students that you can? Then you need to start here with the Math is Figureoutable Challenge. It's three one-hour sessions of the quickest and most powerful ways to reach the most students with the most math. We're having special guest Jenna Labe. Mark your calendars for May 15th through 17th at 7 p.m. Central and watch this space to find out when registration opens. If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! Welcome to the podcast where math is figure outable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we make the case that mathematizing is not about mimicking steps or rote memorizing facts, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental relationships. We take the strong stance that not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching, but that mimicking algorithms actually keeps students from being the mathematicians they can be. We answer the question, if not algorithms and step-by-step procedures, then what? Y'all, we're in the middle of a series of episodes about working with students' parents in the Math is Figureoutable movement to help them understand what we're about, why we're teaching math the way that we are. In the last episode, we chatted some about having open communication with parents and how important it is to listen without feeling the need to defend. Absolutely. So important to not have that defensive posture, mm-hmm. but to really listen to understand and communicate and really have a good conversation with them. Today, let's dive in to share some things that we found helpful about what to do with parents, how we can help them understand. Last time we talked about two important things. We've got to hear parents. Today we're going to talk about, well, hear parents and help them understand. We focused on hearing them last time. Today we want to really focus on what are some things that we can actively do to help students. So let's talk about communicating with parents. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to actually tell you once a story about one time I got an email from a dad and he said, Hey, I know, you know, that Jody, his wife, uh, works on campus. Um, and so you see her and talk to her all the time, but I'm the one that does like the school stuff with the kids. And so, you know, she's always up there and she does it all day long. So, um, he said, I'm the guy that does homework with, uh, my kids. And at the time I had his son who was in fifth grade and he said, listen, Kim, I just need some help. And I was like, okay, how can I help? And he said, I'm not really sure um, what you guys do, but I want to be supportive. And he's like, I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not clear. He's like, I want to be able to support my kid. And I said, okay. And he said, can, can I have like 15 minutes of your time? I said, sure, no problem. Come on up. And so we set an appointment and he came up to school and he said, I would love for you to teach me a little bit about what you are teaching my son. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And so he pulled out um, an assignment that he had seen come home, you know, it had already had grade on it or whatever. And he was like, help me make sense. And so that afternoon we had like a little parent tutoring session and He, I remember him because he was the first of several parents, but he was the very first one who said to me, Hey, like, I want to understand 
will you sit down with me? And we sat down and I helped him make sense of kind of the models that we use and kind of like what strategies were and the kind of the difference between the two. And he said, this is like the most helpful thing. It's like, I'm, I've been trying to make sense of what's going on, but sitting down with you was the most important thing that I, I I'm good. Now I can go home and I can like a- ask the questions that you're asking. And listen, he was sharp and, and I gave him some tips and things, but it was just an opportunity for me to sit down and communicate with him about what is happening in my classroom and how you can support your son at home. And do I remember correctly that he had asked you to kind of teach him the way mm-hmm. he would, he could teach his kid? Like, how would you teach instead of like saying to him, Hey, as a parent, here's the, as an adult, blah, 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 but to actually kind of, yeah. here's what you would say to a student. Yep. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. So he like picked a problem on the page and he was like, okay, uh, 25 times 18 or whatever it was. And I, spoke to him in those moments as he kind of said, well, here's what I know. And so like, I made the transition with him from like, okay, let me model what you're saying. And and I, I literally walked through his thinking for that problem and showed him how to represent his thinking. And, and then he said, okay, let's, let's do another one. So he, like, we talked a little bit about the strategies that he was using. Yeah. Very much like I would with a fifth grader that were my class. So not only was he then clear about the math, but he was also a little bit more clear about the math for teaching, yeah. like how you would work with a student with that material. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, Kim, not every parent is going to request sure. that. Not every parent yeah. is going to make, you know, the time, has the time or, mm-hmm. or the, mm-hmm. even, even gets the idea to do that kind of thing. What are some other things that we can do with parents to help them understand why we are uh, trying to teach math the way that we are. What, what's the, what's the, what's behind the scenes? What's going yeah. on? Why, how, how can we help them understand? Well, I'll tell you what, that experience with that dad really helped me clarify two ways that I could communicate with parents in a more helpful way, right? Like I, I feel like I was always good at communication. I'm air quoting. Like I like sent new le- newsletters and like I, you know, had, parent-teacher conferences. And, and those are on my mind because those are the two that I'm going to talk more specifically about. Mm-hmm. But I, I always did things to communicate. And like, of course, I would take their phone calls and they had my number and, and those kinds of things. But, but I really put emphasis on the kinds of things that I did in newsletters and conferences that was helpful to parents to then partner with me. And I think that was the goal, right? Mm-hmm. So the newsletter that I sent home, you know, long time ago might've just been like, Hey, uh, here's some reminders and here's some announcements and here's whatever, like, this is what we're working on. One sentence blurb (laughs) we're writing about whatever topic. But after that experience with Alan, I really spent some time thinking about what would be useful in my blurb about what's happening in math class. And let's be real, like, I love math. And so like the math section was always like a little bit longer than the other areas. And you know what I find interesting is that- I have no problem with that, by the way. I fully support that. (laughs) Well, and I found it interesting that, that I, maybe this is a poor assumption on my part, but parents could identify with the kinds of things that, that I was saying and reading and writing, science and social studies. But in math, if I had said not, enough. Um, I felt like that was the area that I wanted to communicate a little bit more clearly about. And so 
Anyway, in those sections, in that blurb where I talked about, here's what we're working on in math, it wasn't just like, oh, we're working on three by two digit multiplication. Or, or those, standard standard 4.5. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the student yeah, is expected yeah. to, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten some of this. Um, so in those, I would say things like about what they're going to see coming home. I would say things like, we are working on this particular strategy. And I would give like an example and I would represent an example. And then I kind of like walked through, your student might be saying this. Here are a few like sentences that you could say back to them. Not because I expected the parent to like do the thing, like do, you know, be the the guide at home necessarily, but if they wanted to, if that's the role that they wanted to take on, I felt like it was really important to give them some prompts to say, you know, I talked a little bit about it's okay to pause and ask your student, like, what what were they thinking? And like, give them some wait time of approximately this long. Um, So I just gave them some parent tips about working with their student in a math situation that a lot of parents came back to me and said, oh my gosh, that was super helpful. And so it was kind of general tips, but then some specific tips based on the topic or the, the area of mathematics that we were working on at the time. And and some of that had something to do with uh, like, we're just introducing this. So don't expect mastery, you know, like right. you know, your student's going to be thinking about this and kind of chugging mm-hmm. it or mm-hmm. chugging. It's probably right, that grappling with it a little bit Yeah. versus, Hey, we've been doing this for a while. So this is, this is when you can, you know, we, uh, you could work with your student on this to get mm-hmm. some mastery. You know, you could, mm-hmm. you could expect uh, less struggle and I'm, I'm not saying this well, but, <laughs> but, but cluing the parents into whether it's a brand new thing or whether this is something yeah. that, yeah, we've been doing for a while, that, that, that yeah, could be and, helpful. Yeah. And there might've been parts where I would have said something like, you might be used to thinking about it this way, or you might be used to seeing blank. Um, and not just an algorithm, but like you might be used to a teacher saying this, these are the kinds of responses that you're going to hear me say to your student, happy to talk about it, you know, whatever, just, mm-hmm. and you, you can see why my math sections were a little bit longer than the other. A little longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you, I really do approve of that. Would my kids would come home from school and I would say, Hey, how was school? What I really meant was, Hey, how was math? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm guilty. Pretty, um, pretty so much. the other, the other thing that I like took away from that experience with that dad was that parent teacher conferences, um, and it might be true for, for many teachers. A lot of times you're told like, here's parent, parent conference day and you get like, you know, when you have 30 parents, you get like 10 to 15 minutes per parent, whether they show up or not or whatever. And what I found was that parents were used to hearing about diagnostic assessments and reading, right? They were used to like, we're doing this testing and we did this testing and this, like whatever different screeners that you did. But at the time, there weren't a lot of assessments in math. It was like, oh, and here's their grade. They're doing fine. Or here's their grade. They need to do whatever, practice their facts or whatever. And so because I didn't have a lot of time and I, and I honestly didn't find a lot of assessments that I loved, what I did was describe mathematical behaviors I saw with their student um, and what they were being asked for in that grade level. And so rather than saying like, oh, they have a 92 I would say things like, I see your student really persevering in solving problems, or I see your student, whatever asset focus type of thing. So it helped them to understand the kinds of behaviors that we were looking for in a math class. 
And if I were in the classroom today, I would summarize the development of mathematical reasoning. So that hadn't been fully kind of developed, but I also described things that we're looking for, you know, I see your student when they're solving something that's an additive reasoning type of problem. I see them using accounting strategy. And so that's something we're going to work on to help them move from accounting strategy to an additive strategy. And, you know, if, if, if I were in the classroom today, I would love to have a copy of the DMR right there. And I would kind of quickly describe each of those bullets. Again, I'd probably talk about math more than I would the other subjects. Um, <laughs> And I would, I would give them a tool to say, this is where I'm going to nudge your student next. Not like they don't have this and they do have this, but, but, but this is where I'm going to nudge your student next and then try to give them um, like kind of a little update along the way. These are the experiences we're about to have. This is, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm aware that this is what your student can do. Mm-hmm. So an asset perspective, describe mm-hmm. the qualities and the characteristics and the problem solving abilities that you see the student using. Mm-hmm. And then, and this, and this is where we're going next. Yeah. Really helpful perspective, I think, to think about. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So another thing that I um, really tried to be very choosy about was homework. Because it's basically the first window that parents get to see to your math classroom, right? Like, hey, yeah, and I'm going to interrupt you really quickly because y'all, Kim was my parents' teacher. <laughs> your kid's teacher, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, my kid's teacher. What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. We're talking about parents. And, and so I would see, like, talk about a window into what was happening in the classroom. Like, I saw what she sent home. Talk about stress. I, <laughs> well, it was actually kind of funny because the longer I worked in the district, the more and more my kids got the most confident teachers mm-hmm. because when it came time to put kids in classrooms, their teachers were, they knew me and they're like, she's going to be in my business. And so only like the real confident teachers would say, okay, okay, I'll take Pam's kids. Cause I can handle her like diving in and, and, and you know, like knowing what's happening and stuff. But what was fascinating to me was you had um, Matthew fairly early at, mm-hmm. uh, in my in my working with uh, other with, yeah. with elementary um, teachers, and so I would see what you sent home. And I will admit there were some knee jerk reactions where I would be like, "What a worksheet!" And then Matt would say, "Oh, but let me tell you the instructions." Mm-hmm. And so Kim, like, you changed instructions on right. worksheets, and tell us about yeah. that. Well, so we all have a whole bunch of worksheets and resources, like there's a ton, right? But, but I, what I found was that rather than recreate a bunch of stuff on the fly, like all the time, um, I really thought about the kinds of things that we were doing in class and I would alter the instructions for what made sense for what we were doing. So like, like, you know, I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Maybe you remember some, but it was really important for me at the time to communicate we're not about doing 30 problems a night and we're not about practice everything until it's kill and drill and you got it down. And so I communicated that with my students well, and I was trying in a newsletter to communicate that. But as, as we all know that not every parent reads every newsletter. And so a lot of times there was just an alteration of the homework so for so example, because because you couldn't think you of have one? Connect, okay. yeah. So for example, uh, that one came home that was like I don't know twenty problems on the page, and the instructions were to solve their favorite five, but they had to tell why, and mm-hmm. then I, mean, I don't remember exactly, but something mm-hmm. like that, and then and then what were the the two they didn't want to solve and why, mm-hmm. and and I think what was interesting to me was my first response 
was a little bit like, like who changed this? Like, is this, is this my kid being lazy, not solving them all? And so part of what was helpful for me as a parent was that you were clear with me. No, no, I'm going to send home homework that the instructions will change. So believe your kid. Like, Mm -hmm. like when, you know, don't, don't just, uh, whatever you might think when you see these altered instructions or whatever, but uh, th- I may send home a worksheet that says, uh, solve the, just these, these particular problems that are circled. Right. Or, um, I think one time you sent something home where some problems were circled and the instruction was, how are these all related and how do mm-hmm. you know, and how might one help you solve the other? Mm-hmm. And so these little tweaks in assignments turned it into not this crazy, like, let me just do a million problems of the same type over and over and over and over. But they were like, I'm going to ask you to think about, we're still solving problems. And in some cases they were solving a lot of problems, but it was far more interesting. It really was more open access. Kids could just solve the problems, but kids could also strategize and they could actually like think and reason and uh, and come up with ways to decide which problems they were going to solve when and how they were related, uh, et cetera. But, But you helped me as a parent understand your thinking behind that. Yeah. And I tried really hard to send homework home that didn't have a drastically different look than what parents were used to. Right. It's not that I wouldn't invite questions. Uh, you know, I'm all for the, the the conversation, but I, I didn't try to send things home that I knew parents were going to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And my student is not um, at a place where they're capable of doing this on their own. And so you're forcing me into the situation of, of helping them. And I, I, I feel ill-equipped to help them. Well, or even worse, what, what I hear you saying is that you didn't send home new material and expect the, the parent to become the teacher, right? to be the expert of, I'm now about to teach you new math that you've never seen before. And you should have the math for teaching knowledge to do that. Yeah. You what you didn't do that. You you yeah. you sent home stuff that the the uh, correct me if I'm wrong but the students were fairly capable of doing. They they'd had enough mm-hmm. experience. You'd been there as the more knowledgeable other to help them progress and develop and so that they had some confidence and and now you could send that thing home and the student wouldn't be so frustrated uh that the parent, you know, had to dive in in order to like teach new stuff or really save. I mean they could they could join in some of this was interesting enough that that could happen, but it wasn't about um, expecting the parent to be the teacher of new material. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I, I can't think of a time where I would ever have taught something that day for the first time, introduced a new idea and then said, oh, now go home and, and work on that tonight by yourself or with your mom and dad, like whoever. Yeah, because that puts parents in, in, in an interesting position and can cause a lot of confusion and frustration that then you have to sort of undo. And, and instead, we're sort of proactively suggesting that we're really not only um, thoughtful and, and purposeful about what you send home, but also how you communicate about what you're sending home. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and not just communicate, but over-communicate. As much as you possibly can, right? So this is what we did. This is what you're going to see. Explain it ahead of time so that you then don't have to be on the defense. Yeah, nice. All right. So some major ideas so far in our series on working with parents, not against parents, but with parents, listen to understand. That was in our last episode. If you didn't listen to it, check Mm -hmm. that out. And today, over communicate. Yeah. And I'll pipe in that we're going to ask you to be really choosy about the homework that you sent home so that it doesn't create a divide between students and parents. 
and parents and teachers. Yeah. Right. Nice. right. Excellent. All right. In the next episode, you are going to love that we are going to tackle parent nights, mm-hmm. how to make the most of them, how to yeah, you- create a parent night that is really going to be helpful for everybody involved. You are not going to want to miss that one. <laughs> Bam! So if you want to learn more mathematics and refine your math teaching so that you and students are mathematizing more and more, then join the Math is Figureoutable movement and help us spread the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. Remember, we're going to be opening registration for the Math is Figureoutable challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom that are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically. And remember, if you can't make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math figureoutable.